wrong name in the Google as it was really about to bring something up, but I'm looking for the email. I'm literally just looking for my email and tell you my stuff. <laughs> what the fuck is that? There you go. Are we live right now? I definitely verbalized that I was doing that, y'all. Like, no, yeah, for sure. And then the dog got on some other shit. No, yeah. Cool. I mean, ain't nobody bugging. I mean, shit. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm Chris. VJ is in the air, I think. Like on a plane. Like on a plane, yeah. Or at the airport or on her way home or something at this point. And then that over there, this way. <laughs> That's Penrose. My name is Penrose, motherfucking beans. Yeah, man. So it's all docked up, and um, I am so excited about this one. Like, Yo, I'm so excited. That's where we're going. Okay, let me tell you the story. So, just like one day, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just about to really like just veg out and just not go. I'm just about to lay in my bed and I'm about to watch it, right? right. So I fucking went on Netflix, went under documentaries. Found the doc, watched the doc, loved the doc. Then I was like, fuck, I know that Steve Carell and Channing Tatum were in a movie about this, I think. So then I go look for the movie. Can't find it nowhere on none of my Joe Bro fire sticks. Very upsetting. <laughs> um, so then I, I literally, nigga, I never buy stuff, nigga. I literally. <laughs> What is happening with what? Like, huh? like you just got here. Like, what is happening with what, Jay? Like, right? You just walked okay. in the door. <laughs> you just came in. Like, what is happening? I think she's still drunk from earlier. She's been she's been out with her friends today, and she's been oh, doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, so I love the documentary, and I'm like, yo, can't find this. I can't bootleg this movie nowhere. I really broke down and rented it for like 24 hours. Like, really? fuck it. I rented it. And I watched it, and I didn't hate it, but I was very disappointed with com- in comparison to the, the documentary. Story. Yeah. And then I went a little further because I'm a fucking maniac, and then I just like went on, like figured it out that the reason that the movie is a little bit different than the documentary that we're about to cover is because they kind of fabricate the fact that the that that uh what was his bro- Dave Dave Schultz is the is the wrestler that we'll be talking about today. His brother was Mark Schultz, right? I think I, his name is Mark. I remember a brother that Mark. So yeah, so Channing. Well, right, because in the documentary you don't hear anything about him, but right. in the movie Channing Tatum plays Mark, and it's as if Mark and Dave are at Team Fox, Foxcatcher at the same time, but they're not at all. Oh. Mark starts there, right? And then DuPont fi- figures out, like, yeah, you're okay, but I'll, your brother's better. So right. I kind of want your brother. And then some shit started happening where Mark was feeling kind of neglected from DuPont. And so Mark left, and then Dave came. Okay. So the movie kind of, like, obscured that to give Channing Tatum a part in the movie, and I didn't really understand why. So, well, um... I mean, I if, never knew about a Mark, so you telling me kind of actually... Even though, you know, the ending was still what it was, mm-hmm. it kind of actually makes more sense now on why it happened that way. Kind of. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't say don't watch the movie, but I think if you want a more clear depiction of, like, the what the actual events, I'm going to definitely tell you to go with the documentary that we watched this time, which is called Team Foxcatcher. You guys can find this on Netflix right now. It's fucking great. Um, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So I threw out a, a couple of names already. Let's just kind of talk about... Um, before we get into who Dave Schultz is, let's talk about why we're here. Let's talk about who is the founder, the creator of Team Foxcatcher. We are talking about fucking John Dupont. I thought you was about to try to throw the middle name in there, and I was going to show you say, Ronnie Points. I, wait, and nigga, because if you, I wish you could have saw my eyes dark because I felt like I wrote it down and I don't know what it was, but I'm gonna make it up and I'm gonna say that his name is John F. DuPont and the F stand for philanthropist. <laughs> the F is for <laughs> The F is for fucking insane. Right. Listen. Okay. So let's talk about the DuPont, the DuPont, the DuPont family a little bit, right? right. They're from the Philly area. Is that that's accurate, yeah, right? That is accurate. Uh, apparently, like Dupont is French, I think. So I don't know how or why they have this money, but they're our, apparently. Our, you don't remember being? Come on, man. We're from the Midwest. Our mothers had all type of Dupont shit in their house. Oh, all oh, the that's shit, that, like the the cleaning people yeah, shit, like the true. appliances and shit. Ah, <laughs> oh, nigga, that shit didn't even cross my mind. Like. <laughs> Why would a lunatic be involved with things that have cleaned my house? <laughs> but then, but then we have to we have to go back to remember that a lunatic also created the best antivirus system ever. ever. <laughs> they got pissed at niggas because they didn't think it was dope. I'm gonna show you niggas, sign up. But yeah, lunatics t- seem to uh, be involved with some of the best shit ever. Then they just yeah. Go yeah, I don't know. Well, he obviously wasn't the person making the appliances. This is like old, old, old money, right? Um, how do we explain how he got to the fucking sports uh, well, arena? You know, the, the way I know the way they broke it down was he was always involved in sports, but he was involved in fencing. He was involved in pentathlons. He was involved in horseback riding, all of that shit. And, I and he sucks. And he did. He sucked at everything. Everything he touched, nigga, he sucked. He sucked. Um, Yikes. He couldn't shoot a gun properly. He couldn't. When they showed that horse jump that fucking fence. Nigga, he and he found it. And he <laughs> I said, like, you know this nigga was clearly dead because there's no way that he would have cleared that. To be in the In the documentary. <laughs> Yo, you guys know how, like, when fucking horses are doing, like, the little fucking what do you call it? Like obstacle courses, yeah. and then like they jump over the thing. Like he, the horse jumps, like, and then he like lost all fucking balance on the horse, and he was on my the man, side of it. It was it was crazy. My man didn't even just like fall forward a little bit. That nigga slid down. He slid the over to the side. <laughs> His legs was in the air. Is what I'm trying to tell y'all. So like, he was not good at anything that he tried his hand in, but he liked. The camaraderie, um, the like sense of like family, because his family wasn't really. I mean, y'all know how rich white people it is, like with them and their families. And him and a, 
him and his siblings were very, I think the age gap was huge. Yeah. Where, like, basically by the time he was growing up in the house, he was basically the only person there because yeah, they were they all were gone. Right. Like, yeah. I they were gone. Siblings were like 18, 19 when he was born, some weird shit like that. Yeah. Like, where they were literally out of the house. Right. Um, yeah. So his. I mean, it's a it's a basic like tragic like rich man story. Like, dad leaves the family. You gotta make an appointment to see this nigga, and sometimes he don't even care if you made that appointment. No. When I seen that part, I said, "Yeah, this nigga said he had to." It's like calling your like dad. Can you pencil me in? Like, what the fuck yeah. are you talking about? Like, and but really, you can't call your dad. You gotta call Nancy, his secretary, and be like, "Yo, this is my dad's son." Like, is there any way that, like, I could see him this week? And Nancy be like, all right, I'm going to get you on Thursday. But then Nancy call you 30 minutes on Thursday before your scheduled time. Be like, yo, since it's running late, he ain't going to make it. He'll see, he said, pencil him in next month. Like, how you, or you, or the lady that's feeding you fucking hand to mouth at 13 years old. You're like, hey, have you seen my dad? Don't worry about nigga. that. Nigga, <laughs> nigga, nigga. So basically, his siblings were gone. His dad left. It's him and his old ass mama. True. Um, she's pretty good at like horse, horse shit. Like she was good at everything. <laughs> what, what they say, the mom they, from from the little bit they spoke because they did show her like running around with the horse and shit. Right. And just as a person, period. I guess she was a dope ass person. But without, and I think with any child, whether you're rich or, or poor or whatever, indifferent. Um, mm-hmm. When you don't have the normal social upbringing, like a lot of people, and when I say normal, I want mm-hmm. I'm not talking about like public school and things like that. I'm, he just right. not around other children, right? Had, had there been ten other kids on that on that same fucking farm, at least you would have had somebody to grow up with that was in your same age range. And I think right. you know, would it just be him and mom? You suck at everything, but we got enough money to fucking rule the world, and this is why you're involved in everything, you right? Know what I mean? And right. so, you know, um, that, that shit will stunt you, though. Not having people around, not having the social upbringing that most of uh, the most children are accustomed to uh, led to, I honestly think, not only do it, did it lead to a lot of his, uh, you know, personal mental things and mm-hmm. or, or mental issues or whatever, mm-hmm. but I also think it led to why he got involved with, with, with uh, monetarily supporting the sports world as big as he did because it's like the old saying goes can't beat them fund them there you go <laughs> nigga funded them joined them rig games to win them like please stop like okay so basically that's what we're getting at he had the funds to be involved with the sport in a the only way that he could which is financially okay. um he, he funded training for lots of different sports, but he kind of, like, fell in love with wrestling, right? Right. Um, I don't really know why he didn't really get into it, because, again, he this is a, one of the things that he had tried and sucked really bad at. So, like, we don't know why he chose this one. This is just the one that he chose. Right. Um, his mom hated wrestling, um, and she was super against this. So this was very, like, to him, I guess, to the situation, very rebellious. For him to put devote so much time and effort and money into wrestling instead of like horses or whatever, you know. Right. Well, wrestling too was was the sport that was 
deemed for the idiots, for people who couldn't think. You know what I mean? It was it right. was a lower class sport uh, in the late seventies, early eighties. It was not to the championed as much. So to the more like sedity uppity. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. So um, that's pretty like basically all y'all really need to know as far as John Dupont's background. Feel free to you know do whatever y'all want. Right. But um, David Schultz. Um, I put next to his name Mad Skills. Like that's he was basically kind of <laughs> like <laughs> like he was basically like one of the best like fucking wrestlers like on that level at that time as far as like Olympic. Yeah in the world right um now at the time he was super good but we weren't super we weren't really winning the golds and things like that and that's and that uh that sport yeah um and then we got to kind of talk about why right um back then uh russia was like fucking top shots right like as far as like wrestling goes um they basically had that shit on lock and the reason that they were able to was because russia took that shit super serious and supported their athletes so it was more of a career for people in russia as opposed to a hobby or something that you do in the off season or whatever the fuck like for anybody who who is currently in the sports what i know what a lot of us especially black people what you can relate it to Think about anybody you've known that's ran track in uh, college. Right, all right. If they don't make it to the Olympics or become some type of trainer after school, you go and get a regular job. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of what the same thing with, with wrestling was. Right. Before Foxcatcher. Over in Europe, these guys literally got paid yearly to wrestle. That's all the fuck yeah. they did. So when like that was their five, 40 years old, you're supporting your family off of still being a fucking, you know, Hey Jeremy, you you supporting your your family off of being a dope ass wrestler, and from the beginning of the positivity in the documentary, the small piece of positivity in the documentary, <laughs> this is where John Dupont actually uh, helped increase American Olympics. I mean, I, if you think about it, like look, we just said this, mm-hmm. fucking loonies fucking lend to the world. They make the world a better place. John DuPont with his crazy ass literally is the reason why Americans started getting goals in the fucking Olympics and wrestling. He's literally the reason. reason. He was literally the reason. Hey. Like, he was literally the reason. So, we do have that to thank. And that's so fucking interesting that you said that because you know I'd be going down fucking rabbit holes. Right. Oh, Oh, shit. Okay, pause. I gotta tell you how I got down this rabbit hole. So you guys know, every fucking time we do a documentary, somebody reaches out to us, right? This documentary, there is a person, hold on, I think he's, is he from Iran? So immediately, guys, I thought this was a fucking fucking African, like, Prince like scam or some shit. I was about to like just super block him because like any like I'm just I'm sorry the fucking internet and fucking weird shit has fucking I'm tainted. Okay, so <laughs> on under underneath one of the promos for this week, um, a person comes underneath and says, "Hold on, I don't I want to say his name is like Medi. So shout out to you, Medi, if you're if you happen to be watching." Um, but he asked me if if I have a way to find a clip from 1985 
with Dave Schultz and this wrestler, and he gives me his name, and then he goes, boom, I'm going to DM you. So I was like, what? Like, and I was like, yo, what is happening right now? Right. So I, so he DMs me, and he's, I'm going to show you. He D- DMs me this picture, and it's Dave and this this man who's like his family member, and they are like about, they're like about to like fucking start wrestling. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. I'm like not going to. <laughs> but like, oh shit, wait, let's see. Okay, here it is. Let's see if I can show you guys. Okay. That's and you can see it's in a frame on a wall. Right. So now I know it's real, right? Right. So he's at, he's saying that um, Iran, that's where he's from. They don't have access to foreign archives. And so he, so he was asking me if I could, if we could locate, we're asking the podcast, if yeah. we could locate a clip or something of this this wrestling match. Right. I did try to Google it, but I didn't find anything. Oh shit, we might have to we might have to hook Maddie up. We might have to get on. I don't know. Like, but like he really his name the guy in the picture, his name is Ala Murad Zarini. Okay. And he's it, again, this is from the 1985 fucking so listen, Twitter, do your job, nigga. <laughs> find this, find a clip of this. That's fucking Dave, and that's fucking um, I can't say his last first name again. So Zarini, that's him, right? Listen, that's him. That's 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 Medi's family. That's Medi's family, and he and they don't for some reason they don't just they don't have the access to our shit. I mean, I guess that makes sense, like kind of because like we don't have no, access all the day. No, you're right because the internet's just like a thing. Like it's it's not like blocked off by borders and shit. You're right. That's what I'm saying. Like, how does that work? I guess it, it's it's kind of like that thing where like and very on the subject but off the subject. If like you start a, a Pornhub account, you can block it in certain states that you. So like you say you don't want to. So nobody in Vegas can find this. Like nobody in Vegas, nobody in Chicago, nobody in Minnesota. Just to be safe. Just to be safe. So, <laughs> so yeah, I couldn't find it, but he definitely was like, "Thank you so much for even like considering to look and even like look at my message." And like, if you ever do come across it, just let me know. Like, this is where you can reach me. And I was like, damn, bro, I like almost like really wasn't fucking with you. I really thought she was a fucking uh, buy some followers ass nigga. <laughs> you weren't, and you weren't. So shout out to you. So that's the person that we that I met during this uh, podcast. So the reason I brought that up, sorry, because that was a whole fucking thing. Hold on, fuck. And guess what? I forgot. What? It was something about John. I forgot. It was something that I found out about him, but I forgot now. But anyway, that's the person that we met this time. So anyway, so <laughs> back to fucking John. He was a philanthropist. He loved giving his money away. He decided to pour as much as he could into wrestling. Right. Um. He um. The only stipulation though was right is if I'm gonna fund this. I want to basically wait. What? Scoot <laughs> said I ran YouTube was only HGTV and Network recipes. <laughs> See, you feel me? I really almost was like block and delete, please. But shout out to Medi. Like so. Anyway, so the only stipulation was if I'm gonna fucking fund this, and guess Team USA was like, we need this money. So basically, whatever you're trying to say right now, obviously, like, we're down for it. Right. Maybe not the best idea. Or I'm not even going to say that because it was the best idea at the time. It was a great idea at the time. They just had an opportunity to not fuck with that nigga, and they still fuck with that nigga. But. 
if they didn't yeah. with him, they wasn't gonna get the money. He pretty much did the same thing that LeVar Ball did when LeVar Ball started his own fucking basketball league. He, it's true. Nobody knew where the fuck this money was coming from, but you paying niggas to live on this fucking farm where they know where the DuPont money is coming from. Hey, hey I don't know. shout out to but, the pumpkin spice. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so the stipulation was if I'm going to give you guys this money, if I'm going to fund this, you basically have to come and fucking live with me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I had to put that I up again. <laughs> I think it was a thing of because like they were saying the reason that Russia kept winning every year. Yeah. <laughs> the reason Russia kept winning every year was because you have these men in America you got dudes that are 23, 24, 25 and in their prime they have to stop wrestling because you have to get a real job. You know what I'm saying? Right. Hey, y'all gonna stop hating on, on the pumpkin I spice. like pumpkin sp- spice brittle. Like pumpkin br- like I don't know if that is that too white? It's That's so way good. More white than I was expecting. But okay. I was it, 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 listen, it <laughs> had the potential to be a cult if but, niggas if niggas fucked with him like that. Exactly. And we're going to get to that. You were going to get to that, Jeremy. Because now, when it started, it was a beautiful idea. It's not it bad. was more. It was more. Because now, when we, if, we, if we travel back, and again, I'm a little bit older, but if we look at like growing up in the 80s and the early 90s, well, we're right? to the 80s when this was big. That type of thing was not abnormal. If you had right. money and you could figure out how to help, because think about it, back in the day, the only three things motherfuckers ever gave a fuck about was the military, the Olympics, and fucking education. And no America lies. just so happened to be top in all of that shit. And when 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 Russia not was at the, uh, to the pumpkin us, spice, <laughs> she said, oh wow, to the pumpkin spice. Right. <laughs> when Russia was beating us, and they're finding out that these these men that are 23, 24, 25 are now continuing to wrestle until their 30s, but they're being trained. This is their life every day. So when he steps in and, and you know, for all of y'all who know who the DuPont family is and where they come from and all of that, the money is long. And so he stepped in in <laughs> the USA Wrestling Federation or Olympic Federation or however you got tied to the USA side, whatever they're Team at. USA. That's, what, like, that's who he was funding. He was funding Team USA, basically. Exactly. To the point where he had so much money that he convinced a Bulgarian wrestler to quit his fucking country's team and come wrestle for Team Foxcatcher so he could end up being an American wrestler as well. This is when the tide changed for American wrestling as far as an Olympic sport. Very, very true, because now these... Yes! 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 The, yes. the, the, the wrestling... Yes! Yes! That's, those are the ones. Yep, that's the ones. So, but, um, yeah, so, like I said, the only stipulation to this is that if you're going to be using my money for this funding, all of the wrestlers have to live on my compound. Right. So, this is, it's, it was the farm. Start, so. I, this, listen, Jeremy, you are not off when At you all. say <laughs> that it was, a, it sounds like a cult, because it, it could have been a cult if niggas fucked with him, and we're gonna, I, just we're gonna we're get gonna to get it. Right. <laughs> so the farm—that's what they called it, right? right. Um, at this point of the documentary, I mean, if we get we'll, we'll get some more into the we'll get more into the farm and shit. I think in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is kind of where we get the first interview of John. Yeah, and immediately he's weird, my guy. Like, yeah, 
I was, like, I was about to try to give some type of, but no, yeah, that nigga was weird as fuck on time. Like, and it wasn't even just the things that he was saying. It was like his mannerisms, his actions. Yeah, like I don't it, even know how to explain it. It's like for anybody that's watching, especially if anybody's ever played basketball, you ever been in the hood playing ball at somebody's house and they, you know, they might be the rich nigga on the block. So they got the actual like court in their backyard. <laughs> but they suck at playing basketball. So they're like, nah, you niggas can't use my court no more. That was DuPont. And it's like, but you, but y'all need to use his court so y'all can really court. work on y'all shit. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> The rim broke. Right. If yeah. we play in the alley, like I don't really know how far, like is the end of the court. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> the really the right like, is this where the goal line would be? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's really hard to tell that. So when you definitely need milk crate. Is it the same? <laughs> and it was just like that. DuPont is the nigga that has the basketball and the basketball court, and you don't really fuck with him. But you need that basketball and that basketball court. <laughs> like... Real shit. And it was like the the way that everybody was explaining it because I think Robbie Calabrese, Rob, Robbie, yeah, Cal- Calabrese. That is his last name. He was the first one to get close when when everybody started coming because they said once John opened this up to everybody, it was like one person at a time. He literally was doing it like a motherfucking sports agent signing a roster. You know, calling. Yeah. Like, Hey, I got this dough. I got this he cream. was basically down in niggas or Rockefeller chains. Like that's really? how he was like, that's how he was like, that's how you got chose. Like you just was like you, like exactly. <laughs> like do you do you got do you got love for flavor? Like right. it's very much yeah. like exactly what this was. To the point where because this nigga when they the funny part is when Ronnie says, or Robbie, I'm sorry, says when he came, he was all for it. Cause he was a kid and he's like, shit, I, ain't, I really ain't got shit else to do. But he said, right. when he told him, yo, I'm gonna get Dave Schultz, he was like, what the fuck ever. Like he dismissed it. Like, dude, yeah, I get that you got money, but Dave Schultz is that nigga. Dave Schultz. How you gonna get Dave Schultz? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so. And so that's interesting that you bring that up. And again, how I told you how it's a little different in the, the, the movie. And now Robbie not believing him makes even more sense because right before that, Mike or is it Mike? Mark. I want to say it's Mike. Mark. 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 He fucking had left, so it was like it probably looked really uh, not likely that he was gonna get Dave because his brother had just bounced on him. Exactly. And everybody was and everybody was relying on Mark to bring Dave to Team Foxcatcher. So now that you say that, that makes so much motherfucking sense that Robbie would be like, "How are you gonna get him? Like right. you just lost your one ticket of how to get him." Right. I think hallway Robbie was like, "Bitch, I'm that nigga." Dave's like, like, "This, I'm all you got, nigga." Right. (laughs) So, okay, so here's an example of how weird John, uh, fucking John, gets right. Um, he got a brand new Lincoln, Mm. and so hold on, back up. Guys, when we tell y'all this farm is, this compound is large, there it's large enough to have multiple houses on it. Like every wrestler had their own house with the- had their own house. I think, uh, what's, I think what's the name had his own house, uh, uh, Valo, but he ended up living with Dave just because they were so close. You talking about that, uh, uh, Valentino? Yeah. 
I think he had his own house with him and his family. And they Kate, got close. The same house just because they became best friends or whatever. Yeah. But every Look, wrestler on the team had their own house. He took his stinking Lincoln and he just, so basically this, I'm trying to explain how big it is. So it's big as fuck. Everybody got their own houses. Then you got the training facilities. Then you got his big ass house. Then you got a pond. Then you got a pond. Like it's some shit, right? So this nigga is driving on the compound in his Lincoln, just driving like a fucking bat out of hell. And then on purpose, right into the pond. Just takes that well, Lincoln and just drives right into the water. Before then, you say on purpose. Oh, okay. Let's just say, because I know what you're about to go to next. So let's just say yep. that time, we didn't know it was on purpose. Okay, you're right. <laughs> maybe maybe he, he dropped his fucking, <laughs> it says he dropped his fucking cigarette. And then he was in a pond, right? So Maybe we'll he say dropped his, he dropped his his uh, edition of Flavor magazine down. His <laughs> <laughs> fucking his fucking copy of Big Booty Hoes, like <laughs> monthly, like so. Jeff, you only had a month. How looking at the Jeff Beauty? Okay, so listen, <laughs> so. Okay, fine. He gets in the fucking pond. They were like, okay, bro. Well, here's a loner until we can, like, figure out what to do with your wet-ass car. And then he invites somebody to get in the car with him. He invited the head of uh, we'll just say Team USA again. I know it was somebody with the USA Olympic team. He put them niggas in the backseat of his car. And this is when we find out that the first time was definitely on purpose because he drove that second car with them niggas in the back into the barn. A loner. Let's run it back. A loner car, two high-power executives in the back seat, and you drove it into the pond again. Just, Just... and, and said what? Watch this or pretty much. like he didn't say like yo like hold your breath like just right. You, you want to know what's crazy though? Is when, if we think about it, especially when we saw what happened moving forward into the documentary. This now that we've watched it all and we're sitting here talking about it. If you think about it, this is a turning point because at this point, it is motherfucker should have said, "Hey, fuck his money, let's be out." But because you didn't say fuck his money, let's be out. He now has an entitlement feeling of. <laughs> He already, he had already felt. Who gonna check me, boo? <laughs> he had already felt like nobody gave him fuck. Trying to make the niggas a swim team. <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, really? Like, exactly. he, didn't, he didn't warn nobody. They thought they was about to get a tour of the land, like, nigga, not, land, the, right. not the fucking ponds. Like, oh, like, Jesus. But you're right. This is definitely a turning yeah, point. Because everybody could have pulled out then. And it's one of those things to where now you got people who are like, nah, maybe it was a mistake. And then let's just say 30, let's 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 break down hundred percent into three different realms. We got 33% okay. of the people that probably was like it was a mistake. Another 33 that's like, yo, John might be going through something, but I'll fuck with him. And then another 33 was like, like I gotta get this back. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really trying to get that chain, right? <laughs> I'm really trying to get that really trying to get that, that mean, fucking pendant. That chain, fucking pendant. You know really I'm trying to get that pendant, G. Like a lot of I'm a, I'm gonna I'm a fuck around and say it was like 45% of the niggas there and I was like, I'm really just here for the gold. Niggas was like, you fuck with John DuPont? Who the fuck is that? 
<laughs> I'm just trying to get this fucking chain on, nigga. We out here. Taking my Michael Phelps on, nigga. Like, what? Okay. So, Dave comes. Right. He gets Dave. He gets Dave on the phone. Invites Dave in. Dave and his family move to the farm. Yes. Um. When Dave gets there, remember, guys, prior to Dave getting there, this nigga drove into a pond twice, okay? Dave comes and actually somehow levels this guy down. Like, he kind of brings him down to, like, reality a little a little bit. Just a little or bit. Or at least it, it seems that way, where John starts to feel, like, super connected to him, like family. Because, like I said, when we talked about it earlier, they don't really... He's really socially awkward. His siblings are way older. Father left him and his old mama. And his mama really is not interested in the things that he's interested in. So that puts right. a strain on their relationship that was already probably weird and awkward. Because and, and you got to think, too, I think he was so... Dave leveled him out because it's like, it's like right now, if we got off the... If we stopped recording and then I call you on the phone like sick, mm-hmm. fucking... The Lakers signed me, nigga, and somehow I managed to LeBron now. Nigga, what? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you feel like, all right, bet, let me get my shit together. He mm-hmm. literally got the best American wrestler in the fucking world. Right. Enough phone call, or at least how they play it in documentaries. Call um, him on the phone, and dude came through. So, I mean, which I'm sure his brother probably has something to do. I was going to say, when, the, when you think about what the, how the movie portrayed it, um, and like I said, it's not the movie is more fictitious, fictitious than the the documentary is obviously not. But um, the way the movie played it was as if Mark was trying to actively get Dave to come, and Dave kind of was still really standoffish. And as more, the more and more that Dave was reluctant to come, it strained the relationship between Mark and John. So John was like, oh, you don't really fuck with me. If you can't get your brother here, you don't really fuck with me. Like, what are you even doing here? Like, you're not even that good. Like, your brother's better than you, and you can't even convince your own brother to come here and help you. Like, that's basically how the movie had John treating uh, uh, Mark, which is kind of the reason, uh, the true reason of why Mark ended up leaving Foxcatcher, because he just felt like he was undervalued there. Um, and a lot of it, I'm sure, had to do with the point, the fact of him always comparing him to Dave and talking down to him because he wanted Dave there instead of him in reality. Right. And and also, for everybody that's watching who has not watched the documentary, I, I need y'all to know, it's literally it's an eight-year period. 1980, yeah. 1988 to 1996. Yep. So you look at all of this shit that we're going to talk about that happened. It's such a, I'll say for all of this shit that happened, that's a very short time for this shit to happen. It is. In the way that it did. Um, it is. Dave comes uh, right after Dave came. I think that's when Valentino came. Uh, and so but before Dave, Valentino came, uh, sorry, important to just mention that uh, John's mom died. But I, did she die? I thought she died after Valentino came. Was it before? It, it was I, I think so. It was, it was close for sure. Yeah, I yeah, it was very close. But I think it happened before. Like where again that can again. Yeah, it had that happen before. Because, again, this is, like, something that's, like, really fueling the relationship between Dave and John. Just closeness, somebody to be able to confide in. Because, like we said, right. 45 of these niggas, 45% of these niggas is here for the fucking jewelry. Right. Like, they're not here for this man who's clearly 
looking for something, looking for something, right? Um, so we're talking about so close that Schultz, the Schultzes, uh, were spending the uh, holidays at the at John's house. Yeah. So coming to the holidays, and John was John was uh like so into like that situation that he was like coming and making sure like hey i don't have a high chair for the kids make sure y'all bring a high chair up he had presents for the kids things that he didn't have to do you know what i'm saying like just really the show says i went like i want y'all to repeat what she said again my name everybody he employs lives on this fucking big fucking gorgeous ass farm right family is the only family that's at the fucking mansion the only ones the only ones that's like to get to really give you guys a understanding of like how close these niggas got at that point, right? Yeah. Right. Um. Let's so, see. Not because oh. does it make sense that you say that his mother died before Valentino got there? Because um, one thing that they mentioned in the documentary, Dave uh, picked, he, Dave loved Russia even before he came over to Dupont and got all the money. Yep. He was back and forth in Russia. He learned how to speak Russian because he wanted to know what the fucking Russian coaches were telling their, their wrestlers because he couldn't understand why America was losing every single fucking four years. And so him getting so engulfed into the uh, Russian culture and the community when uh, John decided to ask Valentino to come over and Valentino left Bulgaria to come through the Russian that Dave, or I'm sorry, the, the, the life that Dave is now involved in made him and Valentino so close. The reason Super I want to bring this up is because just how Chris stated that, oh, okay, Mark, you can't even get your own brother here. And again, John signing Dave was a big thing. John signing Valentino, it might have not been as big, but it was fucking But it was close. big. It you was big. And so when he brought these people through, you don't you don't have a, a normal upbringing. You don't really know your siblings. You had the fucking schedule time with your dad. So you didn't have anything normal. The connections aren't there. The pe- your mom's dead now. And the connections that you want, the way the documentary plays it out is literally the two connections he wanted most was Dave and Valentino. But he wanted them to be friends with him. Not the other way around. Not them being as close as they became. Yes. So... So let's pull it back just a little. So um, uh, something else that so besides funding the fucking team, besides letting these niggas live there, some of them were also getting paid for stuff, right? Um, Dave was getting paid to coach John in wrestling. Remember how we said that nigga was very bad at this shit? One thing that we definitely forgot to tell y'all was that he's old as fuck. I think, I think at this point he's already in his 50s. He's old as fuck. In wrestling life, in wrestling world, Dave was getting old. Dave was like 33, 34. He was getting old in wrestling. Like, he was considered the old man. Right. Like, in wrestling. And so, we're talking about John wanting to be taught how to wrestle. And he's like 50. And he's getting into these tournaments now. But, but, is he getting into these tournaments? Because. Well, well, remember, he, he, the original one. The original ones that he was getting his ass kicked in, yes. He was going to the same tournaments that his team... Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. His team is kicking ass, and then he gets in, and they're like, yo, who the fuck let this guy in the door? 
So guess what he did because he got tired of doing that. He created his own wrestling like group, like group, like, a, like basically like where it was just it was it was old niggas only. Yep. And Dave was his coach. And the way that these niggas were gingerly fighting. Right. I mean, not fighting, but gingerly wrestling. The funny part about it, though, like Chris said, all of these men were old. But let's go back to something we stated in the beginning. The European bloc in Russia, literally <laughs> these motherfuckers were fucking they do this. in the 30s and 40s because it was their life. They literally got paid to do nothing else. You get out of high school, bitch, you're going to wrestle till you're 40. We're going to pay you. Till you, you. die, nigga. <laughs> so... These 50-year-old niggas that's coming into the ring with John DuPont. They, they can still wrestle. wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> and remember. <laughs> yes, yes the Geriatric Wrestling Federation. Exactly. That is it. Yes. Yes. So. They locked so, up the niggas and just wrestled, just rolled on the ground. like right. <laughs> But so then, so then, with the information that we just told y'all, how is it that John is winning these tournaments? If he's already bad, he was never good, and he's going against... Older people from societies that fuck, they fucking wrestle, okay? How is John winning? I'm going to tell you. Dave, Dave was fixing them. Dave was using the money that John was paying him because basically they had, they had everything they needed. So the money that he was paying him to coach him, he was giving to the other wrestlers to throw the wrestle, the wrestling match because he literally didn't want to hit his nigga's mouth when they went home. Right, if he because lost. people they were he was complaining. He didn't like the fact that his team was amazing, yet he sucked. He, he couldn't sucked. just be the owner. He couldn't just be a coach. He had to be on a fucking team. And he on and the sad part about it is he only wanted to be on the team because again, Valentino and Dave are friends now. I think had had that relationship never formed, that dude I mean, as much because like uh like Robbie said it, it's one thing to for anybody that's played sports, we've all had that coach that wanted to play ball against us, that threw threw passes with us, tried to tackle you, whatever. But they they knew they weren't on the level with you, right? He wanted to be on that level. He felt like I'm John Dupont, bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm here. You know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> and it really didn't it, it didn't work that way. So again, this federation is is formed. Uh, like she said, Dave is taking the money he getting paid and paying these old ass Russians to be like, "Hey, bro, just just lay down, nigga." <laughs> but my so they did that. Shaking hands, nigga, like flexing on niggas, like, <laughs> bro, when you they didn't win. Like this, when they had his arms stretched out and they shaking him, and he had the fucking flab going. He had the. <laughs> These niggas was cut the fuck up. Nigga, that old ass nigga was buff as shit. John just... Listen. So speaking of wanting to belong, right, with John, something else that he opened up his his world to was hunting. Um, And the thing is, is that he wasn't just like opening up hunting to the niggas already on the compound. He was basically inviting all of the cops... Um, in town, like, they fucking, I feel like a lot of them illegally got their fucking license. That's not in my business, but everybody had their fucking license and they would go to his farm and hunt. They would also use that as a location for firearm training for the police department. I need y'all to really 
take that in and let it absorb into your head and remember that I told y'all that, okay? Because then it's going to make sense later and why niggas are moving the way that they were moving. The way they move, yeah. Okay. Like, when I seen this part, I literally was like, yo, what the fuck are we talking about? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Like, the one... Is it the thing? Can you do this? I think you can do this. Dick Fairlane, I, I almost understood his position. I'm like, Shit, if I was the chief of police and this rich ass nigga gonna let me control the hunting on his grounds, I'm gonna take that bread too. But then everybody came. I said, oh yeah. Like it was, if you, okay, so we from the Midwest. Shout out to V. She is too. We kind of accustomed to a certain way that dope boys move. This is exact. If you've never known a dope nigga, this is exactly what dope boys do when they get enough money. You, when people say that they buy the police, you really don't buy the police. You just give the police shit that they not getting from the fucking police. From the fucking police. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Nigga. That's what he did. That's he did exactly what he did. Yeah, outside target practice, hunting, fucking. He was a kid. reserve officer. He got he his. Was. He, got he was. A, he got. He got one dollar a year for, to yeah. be a reserve officer. So again, guys, I keep it right here. Keep yeah. that right here. So, um, also speaking of hunting, other than other things he liked to do outside of the Lincoln, he also liked to um, shoot outside of the window and hunting from his car, which is illegal. No matter who's on grounds with you, right. it's not. You can't just be shooting out of a car. And interesting that he did that. So, um, okay. Um, so, right, Valentine. Right. Um, here's the interesting part about Valentine. So. You're right. Um, with both Dave and Valentine, like he wanted to be their only friend somehow. And in this sea of people and people that are like logistically more important to them, like he wanted he wanted himself to be at the top of their friend pyramid. Um, and like Penrose said, they related to each other so much with the love of the sport. And then with Dave and having that like heightened like understanding of the way that they do things over there because they take that shit so seriously and they really got close. So John would do things to try to feel closer or appear closer to them. Um, and at this point, he's like basically to me, he's obsessed like Mariah Carey style with Valentine. Um, he he's Bulgarian, right? Valentin's Bulgarian. Yeah, Bulgarian. And so John just wakes up one day and he decides he's Bulgarian now. Like, with with the name DuPont and everything that people know about the history of that family, he just woke up on a Thursday and was just like, mm, I'm Bulgarian now. So... That's the thing. He started wearing Bulgarian flags, oh. just doing the most. Okay, it's kind of like it's kind of like when Drake starts hanging out with all of his friends that are Jamaican in Canada, and then right. he start like bumper clotting and like guaguan and all that shit like that. When he started, that's basically what happened with Valentine and John. He basically became Drake and started like having a Bulgarian accent and wearing. And <laughs> On the subject, but off the subject, right? Yeah. I used to uh, manage a bar, and this nigga used to come in in the same Balenciaga fucking long coat every fucking weekend. Mm-hmm. I, 
I can't afford Balenciaga, but what I can afford, I don't wear the same shit of it every weekend. <laughs> when this nigga decided to say he was Bulgarian, that nigga wore that Bulgarian trench. Liga, like that Balenciaga jacket. Listen, he really did. Like, he fucking forsaken any other heritage that he had. And all of a sudden, he was Bulgarian. And nobody could ever prove that he was actually Bulgarian. Nobody. He wasn't. He, he said it was his roots. And it's like, oh. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not about to sit up here and, like, go through a history lesson. But as far as I know, what the fuck does Bulgaria have to do with France? It don't. Like, I don't think. Like, <laughs> <laughs> prove me wrong, but I don't think it does. So, he's doing that. Um, again, these are signs that people could have taken. Right. And I really think, been like, what is wrong here? I think people did take the signs, but I think it's just like anything, man. At some point, at some at at when at this point in the documentary, and, and to be honest about it, I know we only forty something minutes in, but honestly, where we're at in the documentary right now, if you guys watch this, you literally are now at a point to where you can tell that everybody that's intimately involved, you really you really you can really see the, the people really saying to themselves, shit, do I really want to give up all this fucking money? That's really what this was. This is like one of the guys said, he said, Yo, we literally were doing things on that farm. That you just don't do as a normal human being, you know what I mean? Like the the way they the things that he was like exposing them to, yeah, and just all of that, like, and then the fact that they were able that in a country that never before this they were they were actually able to make a living, like they can they can sustain their families. They don't have to like they can give their one hundred percent devotion to the thing that they love. Yeah, That's right. really what it was. Exactly. That's really what it was. Yeah, and it's like, even with the cops coming on, and and to the point where, okay, so we talked about Robbie, we talked about Dave. There was one mm-hmm. other person that was really, really close. This guy you talking about Chad or Chay? Dan. Is it Chay? In, in the U-Haul? Dan Chay. That's his last oh, name, because they was calling Chay. Yeah, Dan. Oh, yeah, Dan, Dan. Dan, the whole time, when we see a lot of the home footage and home videos of throughout this documentary, Dan is behind the camera. So right. I know that I know this is the first time that y'all heard his voice. I mean, his name, but it's important to know that he is clearly a nice chunk, a very important piece to this puzzle as, as well here. Um, clearly not as a, a John didn't obsess over him the way that um, that he did the other two. But I think that he, Dan, was a very important person on that farm. But Dan was the, remember now, Valentino was important to him, but they say the three people that ended up being the ones that could, like you said about Dave, leveling him out, it was Robbie, then it was Dave, then it was Dan. And it was Dan. Mm-hmm. And so Dan, at this time, the cops are always there. Um, you are now, so, okay. So uh, we have to bring. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I just want to make. I want to make sure we're not gonna miss nothing. No, for sure. I, I want to not go back to the relationship with Valentino and Dave. The only yeah, thing yeah. I'm bring it up again is because yeah. at this point, Dupont is now becoming extremely fucking paranoid. Paranoid yes. to the point to where you go and you look at somebody's upbringing and you realize that you know a lot of the shit that people go through as children affect them as adults, right? So mentally now. Remember, he bought Robbie that fucking uh, canoe fucking with the motor on it and all that shit. And now, as pretty as this motherfucker is, he's literally waking up. And Robbie, when they interview oh, Robbie at this point. Wait, wait. 
Wait, wait, wait. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's the that's a super yes, but just hold on a second. Okay. Right. So paranoia, right? So right. again, we have all of these things, and now this man is getting increasingly increasingly paranoid. And really, the base of it is just because the two people that he wants to be up his ass is not up his ass, they're up each other's ass. Because they have so many more things in common than they do with you. That's really right. what it boils down to. Yep. Um, so he starts to he starts to become super jealous. Um, and just kind of he just everything was disgruntled. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like everything that he did. Um, he started telling people that there were tunnels um and, and people in the walls. That um, day, and then at some that, point sorry, he just started to say that it was Dave. That that yeah, Dave was using tunnels to get in and out of his mansion. Dave was was in his walls. Dave was no, not like no, not oh, like in no. each other's ass. Like <laughs> I mean, like like super enthralled with each other's lives, like super involved and connected and like super close. Not Sandusky, like. Yeah, not but um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So it goes from being paranoid to putting a face to this paranoia, even though he has no fucking grounds, no fucking basis for this. Remember I wanted to just bring up herself with them fucking nickels and oranges or whatever it does when Martin didn't like her. This is when when John broke for everybody who's seen Thin Line. This literally is the equivalent. When this nigga John broke, it was like that. It was like, oh, y'all fuck with each other, but y'all don't fuck with me. And then all of a sudden, I swear, yeah, I don't <laughs> fuck with him no more. He and he's letting people know, or or at least the paranoia is is being seen, and it's like. Just, and, and we don't have to stick on the damn thing, but I just want to make this one point. Oh, yeah. No, there's hella damn shit. <laughs> there is hella damn shit. Right. Like, when, when, when DuPont, again, as his paranoia increases, things begin to go fucking drastic. You have the FBI on the farm as your fucking guards now. Um, right. I was going to say, he hires security to protect him from the wrestlers all of a sudden. Right, from the people he employs. And then now what what's well we'll get to that part but you you're hiring the fbi the wrestlers who you say you love you now are afraid of them for some reason right and he tells dan just out of nowhere to leave right so dan's like whatever bro wait wait and, wait wait Okay, so no, 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 you're not missing. Well, a little bit, like you're missing a couple, some couple, a couple things. Because like that, the black, you trying to get to the black thing first? Because, because, well, that's how, that's how I have it. Like I that's thought, how. I thought that was after. No, you're right. No, nope, nope, nope. you're right. You're right. Okay, so, so right, so tunnels, blah blah. He's fucking losing his mind. Um, so he hires these like ex FBI, ex CIA guys to be his security. They are literally on the fucking shit of like the whole fucking compound everywhere. Um, I also just wanted to make a point. Remember how we were saying how a certain amount of people just were there for the fucking jewelry and niggas weren't really paying attention. When you're watching this documentary, you can see the regret and a lot of these people's faces because these were things that they remember vividly and looking back now that everything's transpired, it was a sign for them to either get the fuck or to tell somebody. Yeah, and instead of doing that, they were laughing. Nobody's in your walls, bro. Nobody's in your walls. Ha, ha, you're fucking crazy. And that's how they played it until it was too late. So he hires a security, and, and the security isn't saying, hey, you're crazy. They're saying, is there people in your wall? Let's bust your wall down and prove that oh. there's nobody in there. <laughs> what? Let's dig this whole motherfucking ground up. 
to prove it ain't no tunnels there. And now you don't believe that, so now I'm gonna hire some scientists to come in here and tell you there ain't nobody in here. Like the lens that they went and and I and the the guy that was explaining it, he was trying to say that he was doing that to decrease the paranoia but for me that only increased it because you're basically telling this rich ass man that you will go to any length that i need you to to prove a point or to fucking rest to fucking rest my mind right like you'll you'll go to the you will go to the ends of earth you will spend all the money i give to you to do this for me like so that really you really weren't getting rid of the paranoia yeah but he pretty much admitted to us in so many words and in a roundabout way that he was I'm doing this for the dough. It's not my job to make. That's what he said. About that's what he said. There's somebody in your walls or not. It's my job to prove scientifically that, that there's nobody in your walls. So the only way I can do that is if you pay me this all this fucking dough, so I can motherfucking make it happen. So I can go get a nigga with a caterpillar, like. <laughs> so again, he's being erratic as fuck. The security guards, regardless of what anybody thinks, is not they're not helping. Um, he wakes up one day and says, the color black is very like it's it's very dreadful. I don't like it. He makes people get rid of you can't have a shirt on any black shirts, no black cars, no black horses. Right. All he these things Robbie are black car, I think. And he had to get rid of it. He definitely bought Robbie that black car. We will totally get into that in like Everybody two seconds. Don't even trip. So He's like the black, the word, the color black is just not doing it for me. I need everything black up out of here. And you. He got rid of the four. There was top there was four wrestlers in the fucking world. There were four black wrestlers on Team Foxcatcher. Not yep. only were they black wrestlers, they had already had golds and silver medals already. Yep. These Rent niggas had gold. already been to the Olympics. Had already brought fucking gold home. Already, uh, I think he was a two-time world. He was a two-time world champion. Kevin, one-time Kevin, champion. Yeah. Kevin was yes. Okay, yep. okay. So listen, <laughs> yo, what can we send? What can we send scoops for fucking being right? Listen. Right. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's he needs a I don't know what he needs. He needs something like <laughs> Because yo, what we find out next is <laughs> it's cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> they, they go back to interviewing Robbie. Well they they're interviewing Rain or Kevin Johnson and he says that he's talking and they're like, yo, you know, they want to get rid of everything black. And the guy says to him, that's including you. And so when he says this to him, they talk about, you know, all of the blacks that got fired off the team and nobody's making this fucking, nobody's saying anything about it. Now, mind you, it still is the 80s. It's still racism, this, that, and the third. But if anybody was alive in the 80s, I'm going to be real. Racism, racism never went anywhere. But if you want to talk about the most low-key, mellow racism in the whole history of the world, it was the fucking 80s. So for black people to... Be at the height of a sport, and then you get shitted on just simply because of me. And he said he was like, "No, I'm not racist. I just don't like." I can't have I can't have the color black around me right now. Exactly. And so they go and they interview the dude Robbie again, and he says it. Well, the guy, the guy who was digging up his ground, the scientist or cop or whatever, and then Robbie, the guy says, "Yo, 
this is when was doing things and i think that it was because he was kim he what's the word how did he say it it wasn't chemical imbalance it was it was chemically started or some shit like that and then oh, uh, chemically motivated is what he said i think and then they go to robbie and you hear robbie's voice and he's just like yeah we knew he was doing coke nigga just pacing the house so when he when he went on his anti-black thing again guys there was another opportunity a very wide open door for niggas to say we're not fucking with you that was another opportunity for team usa to say we're not fucking with you and we don't need your money it was opportunity for the people that were on that compound to say these motherfuckers are my friends I train with them. So I've, I've, some of them have went to the Olympics with them. Like I, these are my people, and I'm I mean, not these fucking are with here you. because I trust because I I, ha- I trusted you with their yep. career. Yep. And there was another. There was an opportunity for niggas to step away, and they chose not to. Right. The money. That money. Um, that money kept them dealing, and they they kind of said it too. Because remember, now, now that we, now, now that we're at to the black thing. This this goes to the to the part to where once he went through his his cold crazy shit about black, he then wanted Dan to leave, and Dan was like, "Man, this dude just tripping. Whatever, I ain't going nowhere." He literally he tells Dan to leave. Dan won't go anywhere, and he brings a U-Haul and parks it in front of his house. We forget about the gun. He brings he comes to the with no, the gun first. The, the U-Haul is before the gun. Oh, okay, okay. He drops the U-Haul off. Dan won't leave. Dan is still like, man, fuck what this dude talking about. We we getting money. We this, that, and the third. Dan is in the fucking gym pumping iron. And John DuPont walks in and puts a fucking gun to his chest and tells him, pretty much, bitch nigga, you got to get the fuck up out of here. Dan calls the police, and the police say, shit, that's Yeah, Yo, he be tripping. He be tripping. You tripping. He want to go kill you. Right. You know, you know he be waving guns all the time, nigga. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like for all you niggas who done got smacked by your baby mama a bunch of times, and then you go tell your man, and he like, nigga, you know that's your baby mama, like, <laughs> you know she gonna slap you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But this man literally, it's it's a thing of it's sad to a degree because everybody that was there, once for all y'all that have watched the documentary or have watched it, you can see like like Chris said. There was regret in their face because they knew, they knew while interviewing, I felt like they flashed back to the 80s and they knew in their hearts in that time, like, yo. As they were talking about that shit. As they were talking about that shit. We were still there. We laughed at that shit. Yeah. And they didn't leave because, fuck, dude, I just came from being a $20,000 a year cop. Now my fucking wife is, you know what I mean? I'm making enough money to take care of everybody. I just came from being a wrestler who was just only fucking good enough to do this through college. Now all of a sudden I can wrestle into my forties in the fucking Olympics. When money changes your circumstance and you're a positive person and use that money, it's just like any of us right now. I was talking to my grandmother the other day. I literally hate my fucking boss, but the money I make, nigga, I'm not going nowhere. But I, you know what I mean? And so I say that to say, it's kind of the same thing with them. DuPont started off cool. Paranoia came along, this, that, and the third. But when the money's good, 
You know what I mean? Too many. There's not too many people that's really gonna walk away, especially if they're not being affected. And it was yep. a triple down effect because the thing happened with the color black, which w- really was not about the black wrestlers, and then it became about the black wrestlers. Then, it then the boat. The Dan. Well, no, it, the boat. So yeah. let's talk about that. Remember how they was Robbie and them was saying how this niggas be up at four o'clock in the morning just walking yeah. around. There's a video. And he is just, he's showing a film of a boat that he bought for one of them. Robbie's it's super boat. clean. Yeah. Yeah. It's super clean. Yeah. It is so clean. It is like shining. You could probably go like this and like, 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 it's like, that's how clean it was. <laughs> that shit was beautiful. It was fucking clean. He starts to zoom in and he's mumbling things about bugs like, and how yeah. bugs are leaving slime. And that's, that's why, why and that's why it's so shiny because bugs are like sliming all over it. Like, you know, you there's no bugs, y'all. Right. There's no it's literally he's just zooming in and freaking himself out at the wood Yo, grain. To, and, and something we forgot, kind of sort of, but not really what? bringing up him talking about the bugs right before that, or maybe 10 minutes in the documentary before that, maybe 20. They were talking about how he literally would set up cameras to face the woods. Oh, and yes. He would film the woods for hours. Then watch this film for hours. Then call you and make you watch it. And here's another thing, another opportunity where niggas should have been like, motherfucker, you're crazy. And instead, niggas was either like, depending on how they felt that day, was he like, oh, yeah, I see it. Or not, nah, I'm not talking about. Like, he was telling people it was things in the woods. He was and they're feeding into that shit. People like, yo, those aren't real deer. Those are humans dressed as deer. Dressed as deer. deer. He and said he, that his he said that his dad had fake trees in the fucking on the fucking compound that he had set up years ago. It ain't no fucking fake tree. It was a real ass trees all around. Yeah, and I I think it's you know not to compare him to anybody, but like for for a lot of us, the easiest thing to. I bring in as a congruent is when Kanye lost his mama. We also we also what happened to Kanye after that. Yeah, this is the same thing. As soon as John Dupont was already crazy, the moment that man lost his mama, oh baby, everything kind of went down. Everything the, the wheels came. And then he didn't trust nobody. He stopped trusting people. Everything looked shady and suspicious. So the Dan Chain thing, he fucking brings the U-Haul. He doesn't leave. It sits there for a couple of days. He does the gun thing. Dan goes to the cops. They don't do nothing. The next day, Dan goes outside in the house. So the way that the U-Haul is set up, here's his house, the U-Haul, and then there's another house right here. And he goes around to the other side of the U-Haul, and the entire house is burned down. <coughs> Not burned down, but basically gutted. That bitch done, though. Yeah. It's burnt all the way to fuck Burnt up. all the way down, basically. It's like it's just a frame at that now, point. Now, mind you, I'm not saying he tried to do this or not, but if anybody knows anything about house fires, house fires usually jump to spread another house. and it's trees. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. This is a beautiful, fucking lush, green ass place. There's vegetation everywhere. It's very clear that he was trying to burn him alive, nigga. <laughs> like I don't care what nobody's saying. House on fire, hoping that it was hoping that it would jump and over. Save that nigga's life. It that literally did. Right in front of his house, I honestly believe that shit block not necessarily block the flames, but you know how wind travels and yada yada yada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what you know kept yep. the house from catching on fire. 
I do not disagree. Um, so obviously when you burn a nigga house down next to me, um, I'm going to leave. <laughs> so he packed up the fucking moving van and he took the U-Haul. Right. Now he had another van. It was his right. personal, personal van. van. Yep. He left it. And he left it. He pulled it to Dave's house. Yep. And guys, this, is, this where is where it really goes into the fucking toilet. Now, this is before, where it goes to the toilet. Before she gets into what she wants, what, what, what she's about to say, I need y'all to understand that at this point, when Dan told his story, Team USA is involved again. The cops are involved. Like, people are really paying attention. But I need y'all to, if you don't believe us, go back and look for your fucking self. David Schultz literally was the best fucking American wrestler in the fucking world. So when they came and talked to him, he said, yo, I live there with my children. Now, mind you, DuPont has, has accused this man of invading his home. He's accused this man of being in his walls. He he hates the fact that he brought the Bulgarian guy in and Dave is his best friend. But Dave, the entire time, is the only motherfucker. That's fucking That's with John. DuPont, cool, bro. That's my dude. I, I, you know, he might be going through something. But, but I that's my guy. For him, he's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> perfect that you said that because now we're going to get into John not really loving that Dan's van is in front of Dave's house. Exactly. So, John gets super fucked up, probably Coke and some other things. Um, and he, he went over to Dave's house with the shotgun. Dave and his family are sitting down eating. And so he go, he gets up to the door and he opens the door and he sees a shotgun. He's like, my guy, like niggas is eating SpaghettiOs. Like, let me get that up off of you. Like, like I'm a, let me take that. Let me, let me hold that for you. So there's no struggle at this point. John, John is so fucked up. He just hands it over to him. Right. Now, he obviously came with the shotgun looking for Dan, thinking that Dan right. was there because his van is parked outside. Dan's gone as fuck. Um, Dave asked for the gun. John hands it to him. At some point in this interaction, or even after the gun was removed from his hand to, to Dave's hand, he fell because he's so fucked up. He hit his head. The wife calls the doctor. They get him stitched up. They take him back to his house. Mm-hmm. This is why I don't fuck with Robbie. The next day, when John wakes up and he goes to Robbie and he doesn't know what happened to him, mm-hmm. Robbie says, it looks like you got hit with a bat. Ah, true. He did say that. He did. He Robbie should have not fucking said that right. because, and I don't care, like, and I, I saw, I watched the documentary a couple of times and I wholeheartedly wonder if Robbie would have never said that. Would he have gone over there? Yeah, things would have went totally different because at this point, paranoia set in. And so, well, and we'll just keep with it. Robbie says it looks like you got hit by a bat. And John Robbie, obviously just he, immediately believed him. And he immediately starts formulating this story that, that Dan, Dan beat him up. And Dan so, was not there. Dan was nowhere I need to keep fucking telling y'all that. Dan was not there. 
Right. Dave was there. He had a shotgun. Dave took the shotgun. He fell on the hit his head on the windowsill. The the wife called the doctor. The doctor came to Dave's house, sold him up at Dave's house, and then they took him home. Now, mind you, though, Robbie said it looks like you got hit by a bat. Robbie never said a name. He never said Dan did it. But Dan he also know. did also didn't know what the fuck happened. True. No, no, I know. Right, right, right. When, yeah, but I hear you. I hear you. I just I just want to put in the, the in, you know into the, the watcher and the listeners here that when he told him that he shouldn't have said that I agree, but he never. But he said didn't that. say who, and I how. think because I I'm pretty sure John probably remembers. Hey, he was at the, at Dave's house, whatever. But he, I'm looking for Dan, so he he told the cops, he told everybody that Dan beat him up. He when didn't he, like that the police didn't spring into action. Boom. Now, fat. Now let's go back to when Dan cried, and the police didn't spring into action. Mm-hmm. When John cried. The police did not spring into action. It's two different reasons. For one, for Dan, they didn't spring into action because they're like, "Yo, this nigga's payrolling us." Right. When John said it, they already knew. Like, man, you crazy. You already, you've been crazy for the last couple of years, bro. Like, fuck it, we just gonna keep getting this cash. They already knew Dan was going. They knew there was no possible way that Dan had anything to do with anything. And when they talked to Dave and his wife, and they told the story about what really happened, the cops was just kind of like, eh, anything sweet. You know what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. Um, John started making it super hard to live there after that, kind of. Right. I forgot the gentleman's name, but um, remember the guy they kept interviewing, and he had them goddamn banging-ass cookies sitting in front of him? (laughs) Nigga, I forgot about that. (laughs) Yes, Them cookies look good in the bitch. They did look delicious. He said this was the first time that a gun was pulled on someone, i.e. Dan, and nobody, like, he was like, we probably should have did something about it, but we didn't. But we didn't. You know what I'm saying? And he said it, though, and back to the point that I made, he literally said that because Dave said, "Eh, John's all right, that this is why they turned the blind eye. I want you all to think about, and something, actually, shout out to Scoops, Shout out to when we when we were on their show and talking about age difference. The only reason mm-hmm. I bring that up is because in the fuck I'm telling y'all, man, in the 80s, bro, it was more of a thing of like niggas didn't understand. I feel like niggas the, the amount of money that flowed through everybody's hands in the 80s was so mm-hmm. fucking ridiculously dope that you was either broke because you was doing crack or you was rich because you was off, you know what I mean, making money. <laughs> And that's just kind of the way the world works. And so I think a lot of those people just kind of fell into that. So when we look at everything that 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 portrayed up into this point, it was really more of people being like, hey, Dan, I hear you, but I'm getting this money. Right. John, I hear you. But you're crazy, my nigga. And I, I need to figure out how to keep you crazy. So I can <laughs> <keep you> crazy. <laughs> True shit. True shit. So um obviously, naturally, after this situation. Fucking Dave's wife is like, let's get the fuck out of here. Um, And now we didn't really talk about their relationship a lot, Dave's and his wife's relationship, but she is 100% super supportive of him and his whole career. She didn't even know that he was a wrestler when she met him at all. This nigga hella downplayed who he was. When I say a bitch got the bag simply off of being a good woman, like she she literally got the bag off of not chasing the money. 
Yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> so I mean, like, so talk about like somebody who super supported everything that he that he did, everything that he wanted. Like she basically said, like that was our life. Like was to push him to be the best that he could be. Like, and right. she was super down. So I felt like when she said it was time to go, it was probably time to go. Right. But he but remember now, how we were saying how he was older. Let me just make a point real quick, and I'm gonna let you make your point. Mm-hmm. If we if we really look at everything that was going on, and as sad as it sounded, it's like anything. Let's think about anybody right now. People, you know, we just can't. We we kind of still going through it, but we're coming out of COVID. People mm-hmm. lost their jobs, lost their homes, thing like that. Where the fuck mm-hmm. we go? These men. Now again, remember, they already knew there was a life expectancy of 23, 24 years old. And then fuck right. it, I gotta go find a real job. Right. Now when you're mid thirties, early forties, and you're still wrestling, and all of a sudden your wife is like, Yo, we need to go. Bitch, where the fuck are we going? I hear you. Because when it was time to go, that was a even when Dan when it was time for Dan to leave, that literally was one of his things. It's like, where the fuck am I supposed to go? Right. I have a home. I've raised my family here. Like, that's what I don't I don't want y'all to think that when we say that these people were just living here. It was just, oh, I'm only here to wrestle. No, no. we they sending kids to school. They making yeah. new babies. In laws are coming. Like this, all is of this, literally their all life. of this, yeah. all of this. Um, but what was I saying? Now you you were talking about. How, oh, okay, life. but but after ha- I mean, but also because again, she supported everything that he was doing. He's 37 now. Right. It's probably like his last chance to probably qualify again for the Olympics. Right. So she understands his reasoning and they stay. Um, John at this point is basically telling everybody that John, that Dave is a fucking demon at this point. Yep. Um, and this is, we are now at the day. Um, so it has snowed 24 hours straight. Okay. Uh, we shout don't really talk. Fucking, shout out to the editor and the producer of this part. Because as sad as what happened, the build-up right here was fucking amazing. It was. Because um, we get an insight on the kind of dad. Because um, we kind of talk about the kind of wrestler that he is. And we talk about the kind of friend that he is, Dave is. But we don't really like understand or really see. I mean, there's some videos along the way that you see how, how good of a dad he is. But um, he, you know, sometimes they share the responsibility of picking the kids up. Right. Dave came to practice with the word kids Written on his fucking forehead. on his forehead. So he so no so he wouldn't forget to go pick his kids up. And right. uh, another wrestler said, Yo, why you got it on your head? Like you don't you don't be looking in the mirror, my nigga. Like and he was like, Oh, don't trip. That's why I got it here right. too. Here too. He yep. had kids on his forehead, he had kids on his hand, so he no matter he would wouldn't have forgot to pick up the kids that day. That it was his day. Um I the call uh, your Google calendar. Yes, basically. <laughs> uh, so the main cop that we talked through through most of the documentary is on this part. Um, he comes to the compound that morning. Mm-hmm. John calls him over because of the twenty-four hour snowstorm. He wants him to help survey the land, basically to to uh, to assess the damages. Right. right. Yep. Um, they get in the car. Um, John comes to get in the car. He has camera, which makes sense to take pictures of the damage, yep. and then a gun, a pistol like that. So he and came the with a camera and a pistol. 
Why does he need a pistol? Is for y- for y'all that are watching documentary, John had mad guns. Mad guns. Ever cared that there were mad guns? But every time somebody mentions this pistol, you can see it in their eyes that you know Donald's or some other shit. Um, and yep, I know niggas that didn't carry the pistol anyway. Put the pistol on their hip. Put the pistol in a back. I ain't never known any nigga. Nigga, I'd have been around dope boys, white boys. Act- I ain't never known a nigga to carry a pistol under here. Well, nigga. This nigga literally carried the pistol under his armpit, my nigga. Nigga, like a newspaper. Come on, bro. <laughs> Niggas had so, to up. So, um, then they're riding around the complex. Just about, you just... <laughs> So, they're riding around the complex, assessing the damage. Um, Dave's family, meanwhile, is having lunch that day. Right. Um, John pulls up to the house. Yep. Uh, Dave comes out. He calls him. Yeah. Now, mind y'all. I think we. I think we made this point. But he's literally mad at Dave because Dan's van is there, and because yep. he told Dan to leave. Dave, I look at you as my son, my friend, my whatever, and you're harboring somebody. Or at least I think you're harboring, you're harboring somebody, somebody who's dangerous to me. Yep. Who he feels is dangerous to him. Yep. And so John sticks his arm out the car and shoots him. Um, Nancy, his uh, day's wife, naturally calls 911. Um, there is even a clip of kind of like the, the panic call that she's making to 911. Um, John fucking whips the car. So here's the interesting thing. Something that they didn't really super make clear in the movie. Um, but the cop Actually, when he shot, he tried to get out of the car. Yeah. To either assess that or to stop John. Right. Yep. And John fucking peels out with this nigga hanging it, hanging on, and drives <laughs> back yeah. and drives back to his house. To on the compound. Yep. He tells the nigga that's hanging from his car, the police are coming and don't let them in. Do not let them in. Do you just now. kill somebody. Yo. I also, I forgot to mention, this is important to probably say this right now, on this compound, he hey, he flies the Foxcatcher flag higher than the American, American flag. flag. Yo, th- that's, the reason that's so important is because when this first started out, his whole fucking purpose of even bringing Foxcatcher into this was to make America a better fucking country in the sports world. And so, at the beginning of it, it's, it, the literally, it literally starts out with, with them knowing, with, with us knowing. If you turn the documentary on, you press play. One of the first scenes you see is you know somebody got murdered. You don't know who, but you hear this man talking to the police. And one thing he says is, I'm a diplomat. I got diplomatic papers to discuss. And at first, you're like, oh, okay, who is this motherfucker? Now, fast forward all the way to where we are now, to what Chris just said. He flew Foxcatcher higher than America. This nigga was not a fucking diplomat at all, but he thought, bitch, this Foxcatcher country, I made the Olympic team what it is. I made these cops who they are. I fucking employed all these people. Again. Foxcatcher over anything, nigga. When your money, when your money, again, man, like Robbie, like, like we talked about this already. They made fake. They they let this man 
beat fucking buff ass world were now known wrestlers because they was getting the fucking bag. Literally, the nigga with the bag who was giving everybody the bag is the nigga who was getting played the most. DuPont was getting played by everybody outside of Dave, Dave Schultz. The nigga that he killed. Literally every fucking body was playing him except the nigga that he murdered. So he goes in the house and basically he just do whatever the fuck he wants to. Listen to me. And I really just, I want every motherfucker out here to really think about this, okay? When ever in the history of life has a nigga called SWAT, SWAT comes and SWAT don't SWAT. Like, like, listen. You ain't I thought SWAT to get to a gate and be like, we do it. <sighs> we'll wait. Okay, here's the thing. I thought that niggas called SWAT when the regular niggas couldn't get in. Right. That's you call SWAT doing. when you don't when you're done asking questions. Right. I thought it works a lot different when your family's names ring bells exactly. in the fucking town. So SWAT comes and basically it's a pizza party outside. I really don't know how to explain it. Like they call him on the phone and mm-hmm. they're having these like ginger ass conversations with him. Like and he's basically like, get the fuck off my line. Like, leave me alone. Stop bothering me. Like he's like he's literally talking to these niggas like he's inconvenienced here. The niggas said, now, now mind you, again, I'm from the hood. I've been around a lot of shit. Again, John McAfee has to be one of the most for a nigga to look and cock in the face and be like, nigga, nigga, do you know who the fuck I am? Nigga, John was nigga. What is with white niggas named John? Like, uh, let's really break nigga, it down here. This nigga Dupont told him, he said, "Hey, you know, pretty much, I don't know what y'all gonna do about this, but it's." it's I'm getting. Nigga. I'm about to, I'm about to lay down. <laughs> hey, and guess what? And guess what? They let this nigga go to bed. They let him go to bed. And then the funny part They is- had a press conference at yep. the end of that night and was just like, yeah, we had like a... Like, basically, they was talking like they met this nigga on Tinder. They was like, yeah, we had like some super cool interactions with him or whatever, but you know what I'm saying? Like, we done talking for the night because he's asleep or whatever. He's like, that's he's basically sleeping. what they said. And the reporter was like... <laughs> <laughs> So y'all not gonna y'all gonna go in or like y'all wait for him to go to sleep and then y'all gonna fucking attack? It's not uh, Dick Lafrane, the nigga that that originally was the head of police when when they was on the confines. But the dude that they're talking to was a deputy at the time, right? And I think nigga. he was the chief of police at this time. And they he pretty much had to keep it a buck. Like he was like, "Yo, why you let him go to sleep?" And he was like, "Well, you know, my answer to that is I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what? You didn't, before you came up to this microphone, you didn't think somebody in the audience was going to ask that? Like, right. Like, nigga, he killed somebody at lunchtime yesterday. <laughs> it's lunchtime today, and he's still at his own house. And this nigga kept hanging up on these niggas. Like, Duh. and SWAT is outside. Like, like, your baby mother called you, like, listen, nigga, this, that. I'm off of it. Like, <laughs> I'm cool, this, this bitch. Nigga, this nigga Dupont literally, and it and it's so sad because again, this they as fucked up as this, a man is dead, 
A man literally got killed for walking out of his home. A man was murdered who supported this man simply because... Who was the, his only friend. His only his friend. Driver, his only fucking friend. And when this man is dead, we are so fucking engulfed in... Damn, can we still get the bag? That <laughs> this nigga. nigga, they are really calm. They have SWAT outside, and SWAT is not swatting. They let this nigga go to bed. He keep hanging up their fucking phone calls and not answering the phone and shit. So after they let him have a good night's sleep, um, they decide, okay, I guess we'll like do something. So they cut the heat off in his right. home in the in the mansion. Of course, y'all know if y'all know about mansions and big houses and shit, they usually have like cold ass floors and shit. So it just be it's, it gets cold very fast. Right. So they call him. You're like, hey, what's up, John? Like, what's good? What you doing in there? And, and then winter. he like, right. And then, oh yeah, it's winter because remember the twenty four hour snowstorm. Right. right. So um, they like, you know, what's good, bro? And they like, oh, you know, just literally chilling. Can y'all fix the heat? And then they like, yeah. See, like the thing is though, is like. We can't really like just like have people just coming in here like fixing stuff. He was like, oh, "Okay, cool, I understand." Um, how about I fix it? And I was like, "Damn, John, like that's a really good idea. Like you should just go fix it." And he's like, "All right, bro, I'm gonna have on I'm gonna have on all black and my Bulgarian flag on the back." Like he he definitely made sure that you niggas know he well, he's still repping. And he right. was like, he was like, "I'm gonna have my Bulgarian flag on. Don't fucking bother me. I'm just about to go to the whatchamacallit and fix the heat real fast." He, everybody outside know he can't fix the heat outside because they turned it off. Like, it's off. Like, <laughs> so this man walks. Um, guys, at this point, it's been 50 hours about yeah. since the time that since, yeah, uh, John's or not John, uh, I mean, Dave's Dave, been I'm dead. Dave, yeah. Dave's been dead for about 50 hours now, y'all. And now, mind you, before we even get to the point of what Chris is about to tell y'all. I need y'all to understand that his wife says, I go outside and I see him on the ground and he's doing this. He's going, <sighs> and she said when he did that as a wrestler, that was a way to calm himself down and say, all right, I'm good. I got you. I got this. I got you. I'm, I'm all right. She said he did that two or three times and then he just stopped. To tell you how hard of a nigga this nigga was. Mind you, he had kids written on his hand and on his forehead. On his forehead. His children have no fucking idea. All the way to the next fucking day that their fucking father is fucking dead. And you are letting this other nigga sleep peacefully, my dude. Like, this is real raggedy. It's very raggedy. It's very raggedy. This had to be one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. But literally... The disgust I felt. Nigga, I done done a lot of... I ain't gonna front. I ain't never robbed no nigga because I just think that shit's wrong. But I done done a lot of fucked up shit to get the bag. This shit made me feel disgusting. And I'm like... <laughs> the fuck, bro? Like, y'all watch the nigga get murdered. Well, not watch, but you know a man has been murdered. And his wife can't even get to their children to even let their children know that their father... Because it's a standoff on the fucking shit. Because it's a standoff and you can't like... So guys, 50 hours this nigga get dressed, put his fucking Bulgarian flag on his back, you know what I'm saying? For all of all his people. And he fucking go outside. Okay, so this... <laughs> Bulgaria forever, nigga. So listen. Uh, so BG for life. <laughs> you gonna get that tat on his chest, nigga. Okay, so, so 
Um, so this is probably one of my favorite parts because how the cop describes what happened at this point. So he Dupont steps outside and begins to walk towards where he's walking. A cop comes out of the bushes and like, yeah, motherfucker, time's up. You ain't got no fucking heat. You get heat in county. And so and so John does this thing like, are these niggas really? Because I definitely told this nigga on the phone not to fuck. Like, these niggas is really about to arrest me. Right. And so he kind of does this a couple of times and like, then he's like, I'm going to run back inside. <laughs> but obviously the cop, because he's old as shit, the cop definitely tackles him and gets him in custody. Guys, 50 hours. I just really, when have you guys ever seen SWAT pull up and not do what the fuck they came to do no, is what I'm trying I to tell you. They didn't even use SWAT. I literally had a gun put to my fucking temple by SWAT because I went to turn a radio down in somebody's car. You're telling and me these niggas nigga, can't open up a door. Nigga who killed the nigga? And then on top of this, now, I don't know, for everybody that's watching, I don't know if y'all know anything about Waco and David Koresh. Mm-hmm. I don't wholeheartedly agree with David Koresh, but what I will and what I do know is that those cops had no reason to go into that man's house when they did. Mm-hmm. You wholeheartedly had a reason to go into this man's house. You bitch niggas ain't even on the nigga who got the cop. The way the way I saw it, originally SWAT my nigga stayed outside of the compound. The regular cop hey. and SWAT is all outside the gate. Nobody's even in here. And then this a, a few niggas was like, nah. Once they we got that on the phone. And he was like, oh, I'm going to go do this. Then it was like, all right, bet. let's get some niggas over there. Or maybe they already had a couple niggas stayed. Bruh, what? Okay, even if it was let him go to sleep. Why the fuck did we just storm this nigga crib while, At, he-, while he was asleep? We That's all I'm saying. To make the fucked up decision to say. I'm to be like, I'll do it my fucking self. <laughs> you, all you niggas outside and y'all just going to let me fucking freeze them. <laughs> What if randomly this nigga John Dupont just had mad space heaters? I would never. Gonna... <laughs> he just never came out. Nigga, <laughs> he just never came outside. <laughs> Listen, um, so the trial, right? right? So he gets arrested. The trial. Um, every time it's time for him to come into court. <laughs> he starts to look more and more like castaway. Like he starts to just let his like hair grow out, his facial hair, like everything. And I'm guessing it's to look crazy. Yeah, because um, the day the day he his first day in court, he had short hair, no no beard. The mm-hmm. next time we see him, he was still yep. walking, full beard, longer hair. That third yep. time, my nigga was in that wheelchair, like nigga. <laughs> Doing the fucking uh, what was what's the Silky Johnson nigga from fucking uh, Dave Chappelle? When every time, every time Charlie Murphy got ready to do, he'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> "So listen, the year it took a whole fucking year. So if y'all thought that the fucking standoff was long, it took a whole year." For these niggas to say that he was, he's a third, he got, he got third it was third degree, degree murder. Third I'm degree. I want y'all to go back to something Chris said. From, from, she just said he got third degree. When a nick, she, she literally told y'all this nigga pulled a pistol out, whipped it out the window, and shot a man in front of a fucking federal agent. And it took he, a year. 
He got into the car with a gun. With a federal agent. Prior to this day, he was telling y'all and showing y'all that he was that he definitely had murder on his mind. Shout out to Wine Melly. Like I'm just saying, like, but they can tell you he got murder on his mind. You gotta believe he got murder on his mind. Remember the part where he had the little Uzi? Oh, and he was he he almost blew his shoulder out, nigga. He put it down and was like, oh, and shot. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yo. Listen, so the fact that he got third degree is insane to me. And it just literally doesn't make sense to me because it seems premeditated as fuck. Fuck yeah. I mean, because again, at the end of the day, regardless of paranoia, regardless of drug use, regardless of anything, the biggest thing about this, the only reason is, I'm I'm not going to say the only reason, but the biggest reason this documentary is what it is is because he was the youngest child in the air of one of the most prominent families in all of America. Mm-hmm. And the man you hired to make your fucking team better was the best fucking wrestler that America has ever fucking seen. Y'all made a relationship and you killed that nigga. And That's not even fight. because... And, he, and there was nothing that Dave ever did to him ever. to give him a reason to do that. Ever. Everybody shitted on John DuPont with the exception of fucking Dave Schultz and his family. Every yeah. nigga, I ain't gonna say Robbie shitted on him, but he kind of did. He did. He never shitted on him, as far as we know. But he Dave did. literally was the most loyal, dedicated person to John DuPont, and he murdered him. True shit. Um, so basically, that's it. I don't really want to... I. There's a part of this documentary that I thought was just very interesting that I'm just going to allow y'all to just watch and and are really you, just take in. Is that mean, part? Huh? That? So, okay, yeah. So just really quick guys cuz we kind of we almost at like hour and 40. So, um third degree murder, that's who he got accused of. Nancy and uh Dave's wife ends up filing a wrongful death suit. It was settled outside of court, so she's good. Um John ends up dying in jail. Um, and this is the part where, like, everybody's kind of, like, at Dave's funeral, having their, like, remorse for the things that they felt like were red flags that they should have fucking picked up on, things they felt that they're regretful for, just everybody owning up and, and owning up to their piece of responsibility in the situation, right? right. Uh, but I want you guys to just watch that because it was just very interesting to see what a super huge impact Dave had on people's lives, like, truly. Yeah. Um, Even 20, and, 30 years later now. Yeah. Um, now remember we said um, I think I'm I think we'll end it on this because I think this is probably the best thing to, to talk to, to leave you guys with. Uh, remember the Bulgarian? Um, Valentin and Dave were best friends. Everybody, yeah. all of the Schultz considered him to be like their god, like the Godfather. Like um, after Dave died, um, he stopped fucking with them. Valentin peace the fuck out. When John died, John DuPont died, Valentin got named his sole heir. That nigga got to everything. the the shit. You're not gonna make me believe that G, that that nigga didn't, that Valentin didn't get that shit because Valentin deserved it. Valentin got that shit because John know he was fucking wrong for killing Dave. And that's the closest thing to Dave that was still alive. 
I mean, the the Schultz don't the Schultzes don't have none of that. I mean, I'm pretty sure that undisclosed amount was not a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, of course not. Of course not. I just I think it was. I don't know. That just it was I don't know. But now let's just be honest. Yeah. If I killed your husband and then made your kid my heir, you think he's gonna take it? Nah, not at all. That's fucked up. That's what I'm saying, and and that's that's why he didn't make the Schultz kid his heir. He knew they wouldn't take that money. But if I give it to Valentin, maybe Valentin turns it over. Now, don't get me wrong. Like the Schultz kid said, this nigga ain't caught us, said nothing, do nothing. Right. And this nigga Valentin chilling in, in, in fucking Pennsylvania with black houses and... Niggas. <laughs> right. Um, and you know, one thing that I thought was interesting about the kids um, was that how the daughter got so emotional about John okay, being dead. Okay. I thought it was just me. I no. So when they on the documentary tell everybody that John died in jail, they go to Dave's daughter. Um, she was small when all this happened. They were they were younger. Um, and now they're grown. Um, yeah. but so she was she kind of got teary eyed and she was saying how it kind of wasn't fair about John's death because everybody when her dad died, everybody was so was was mourning and everybody you know cared. And then when John died, he didn't get that. I don't know what the fuck you care, bitch, because your daddy, your your daddy did everything that he was supposed. Like your daddy was the best friend that that man had, and that man didn't know what the fuck that looks like, and in turn killed him. And I don't know why you feel like that, girl. I don't support George Bush in anything ever. But the most gangster shit George Bush ever said was, "Mr. President, why did you go after Saddam Hussein?" He tried to kill my daddy. Nigga, so, that's it. That's all I really need to know. Like the fact that oh, pe- people celebrated when he died. Bitch, he kills your daddy. Regardless your daddy. If, the other, if the rest of the world gave a fuck or not, you should not be giving up two shit. You know, I, I can't speak because like I said, I operate from a space of love. I say that all the time. So I can't really speak on her emotions. But as much as I love my father. I wish him up, please. I'm a, I'm I'm about to give a fuck that the nigga who killed my dad. Nobody gives a shit about him. I don't give a fuck. Not so, yeah, one. A little confusing for me too, bro. So, but basically, guys, that's it. That is Team Fucking Foxcatcher. That is the crazy ass story of John Dupont and Dave Schultz. Um, it's on Netflix. You guys are more than welcome to see it. It is literally one of my favorites. So if y'all ever yeah, want to like good. shoot me something about it after y'all watch it, like I'm here. You guys know where to find me. Um, I know that people have been asking us to do more sports ones, and I know that this is kind of a sports one, so it's not really a sports one because it's still kind of true crime, kind of. But um, it's so good, Autumn. Like, it's really good. Um, but we are going to – I'm going to try to figure out how we can incorporate more, like, more sports options. I have this idea – I, I, I don't know if I'm on like a wrestling kick. I don't know if I'm on like a wrestling kick right now, but I have this idea about the next time that we'll do this. Probably not the next podcast or the next documentary, but we'll put it on the. I put it on the wheel. Is what I'm saying. Right. So. Um, but guys, Netflix team Foxcatcher, it's a fucking amazing. And I hope I didn't tell y'all from watching the movie was uh, John Dupont. Uh, Steve Carell plays him in the movie, so I don't want to like deter y'all from like watching it. It's great, but like. It doesn't. When y'all, if you guys are looking for like the facts, like it's definitely gonna be the documentary. I'm like, I know y'all gonna listen. We love y'all. 
It really was. It really was. So, all right. Well, that's it. I'm Chris. VJ. It's still in the air. Maybe, but you know, she's part of us, so we still say it. And then that's Penrose. So, that's it. It's all docked up, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.